Welcome back to the Behind the Mic Podcast, the official podcast for sports commentators to talk sports outside the booth. My name is Jordan Smith. On the other side of the screen is Mr. Colton Foster. And we've got some we've got some interesting stuff to talk. Mostly mostly NBA today. Uh, but we'll talk some NFL or NFL mostly talk about I mean if we were just a Houston podcast, we'd be mainly talking about James Harden, but we'll get to the, a little bit of that later on in the show. Uh, we got some NFL really to start out here, and then of course we will get Colton's grade uh, and the rant of the week in the uh, second half of the show, as well as a halftime poll question for y'all uh, about the upcoming saga that is the annual Super Bowl. But first, we begin with Championship Sunday in the NFL. The eh, I'm just gonna say it, it was quite an interesting weekend. The Patriots. Uh, getting the win against the Chiefs out there uh, at Arrowhead. Final score of that one, 43-40. That was a really good game, honestly. Uh, a really good game. And then, of course, the Saints and Rams game. A lot of controversy in that one that led to the finale uh, of the score with the the Rams winning uh, and heading off to the Super Bowl. Um, you know... I don't know, I thought this this championship Sunday was interesting despite some of the nuances that occurred during the championship weekend, which we'll get to in a little bit, but I guess just kind of Colton your first thoughts about uh championship Sunday. First thoughts is a great weekend to watch football. I mean incredible. Both games going into overtime. Uh I would you know, one of the things that was kinda interesting is everybody kind of mm-hmm. hears about the Drake curse. And, you know, he wore... Oh, who? what did he wear? Oh, he wore Alabama gear, and Alabama lost. And there's been a couple teams. Well, yeah. I think it was Duke, I believe. He dressed up as a Duke player, and they lost. So this man takes his, you know, his trolling to the next level and wears all four team logos <laughs> on, a jer- on, a, on a sweater. And technically, all four, both games went to overtime, so technically you could say both teams couldn't win in overtime so if they can't win it's a loss (laughs) so i thought that was kind of interesting you know the (laughs) curse is alive and well over there but altogether, you know this was one of the better weekends of football that i've you know there was no blowouts every game was a game um you know it was a great great weekend for defense too both teams had defenses that played their their hearts out especially if they weren't there in the first half they played second half and you look, the Saints went up early. The Saints would drive down the field, but then all of a sudden the Rams' defense showed up and they held them to two field goals in the red zone on the first two drives. I mean, that's just crazy. Just think, you know, you know, we'll get to it later about the refs, but if the Saints scored two touchdowns on those drives, that's a complete game changer. So it's one of those things that, you know, all these games are good, and I hope that means that we'll have a great Super Bowl too because sometimes if you have good games before, you have bad games right, later. right. Now, kind of mainly looking at the uh, the Chiefs and Patriots game first, we talked with Chase Snyder last week about it uh, in the phone interview, which you can listen to uh, here on CastBox if you're listening, also on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on Spotify as well. Uh, you can listen to the podcast, subscribe, comment, like, whichever you like to do, share it with your friends. Um, but you can listen to that latest upload here on Behind the Mic. Um, 
but like like I said, we talked with Chase Snyder about it last week, broadcaster with Texan Live, uh, about the Chiefs and Patriots game. Obviously, a diehard uh, Chiefs fan, he is born and raised from Kansas City, you know, and the Chiefs had every opportunity to win this game, and you know, to me, it seemed like the Chiefs dominated in in that game, really, especially for in especially in that fourth quarter. But when it came time for Brady to once again step up in the moment, you know, game-winning drive scenario, you know, it all comes down to Brady, of course, marches down the field, gets what he needs to get, and he wins the football game on the game-winning rushing touchdown. Um, you know, I thought at first it was a mistake by the Chiefs to score a touchdown with two minutes left in the ball game, and I was yelling at the TV screen as it was happening, do not get a touchdown. Even though you're on the one-yard line, do not get a touchdown. If anything, run backwards five yards. Run backwards five yards because it will take time off the clock, and it won't allow for Tom Brady to have as much time to go down the field, and it will actually allow your defense, your secondary especially, a better chance in, let's say, a cover three, cover four system. You know, with some with a couple of linebackers, you know, playing some QB spies about seven yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, it allows a better chance with a minute left to go in the game, rather than two minutes. So I think that was the biggest mistake as far as t- the end of the game that allowed the Patriots to give themselves a chance was giving the Patriots not only a little above two minutes left to go in the game, but also giving them that two minute warning and allowing them to have what was it? Like two timeouts left in the ball game for the Patriots, I believe. With all that time, they they had a. I mean, technically, they had four timeouts. They yeah. had a two-minute warning plus so all three their timeouts. You know, I think. You know, and I, I feel bad for you know Mahomes. I feel bad for Kansas City because you know. It. This is their best opportunity, you know, and obviously they'll be back next year. Probably they'll be pro. They'll probably be back at least the AFC Divisional round with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. Andy Reid is the coach, you know, and that's that's another thing. you got to feel bad for Andy Reid. This is, what, his sixth, fifth or sixth champ- conference championship game? And he still only won one time, you know, and, you know, he had it. He had the Super Bowl, but just unfortunately she couldn't finish it out and couldn't – the defense just couldn't hold – the Patriots offense and keep Edelman and Gronk from catching anything. <laughs> That's funny. When you look at that final drive, every pass is like Edelman, Edelman, Gronk, Edelman, Gronk, Gronk, Edelman. Yeah. But yeah, the touchdown came off like the only <laughs> rushing play in the entire drive, so. Yeah, so it's just, it's crazy to look at that. You know, you game plan for Tom Brady and yet you still can't yeah, stop no, him. Yeah, it's, it just it it just doesn't make any sense, you know. I guess that's what happens when you are considered one of the greatest of all time, you know, that's just something that you just you have that that just kind of ability, just then you know, no matter what situation you're able to just go down the field and just do whatever you want to whatever team you want, you know. Um Yeah, you know what they call it? <laughs> They call it the clutch gene. Yeah, he's got the clutch gene. I mean, of course, everybody knows he's got the clutch gene. He's Tom Brady. You know, there's a reason why he has, what, five Super Bowl rings on his hand, if I remember right? 
five rings out of, and he'll be in his He's ninth the Super Bowl. Man in the world. I don't even think Michael Jordan made it to that many NBA Finals, if I remember right. So, I mean... Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have much else to say about it. I mean, it's just... You know, the the Chiefs had it. The Chiefs had it. If they would have maybe played a little bit smarter with the time management at the end, instead of scoring the touchdown right away, you know, purposely take a five-yard, you know, QB kneel or something to take a few seconds off the clock. Now, the Patriots probably used some timeouts. But then again two-minute warning, you then take some time off the clock with those, you know, plays going backwards a little bit, and of course, still try to get the touchdown to, you know, take the lead, uh, but instead of getting the, instead of getting the touchdown with more than two minutes left to go of the game, you get the touchdown probably about 130, because you know the Patriots should probably use a couple of their timeouts to stop the clock, so you get the touchdown with about 130 left to go. You know, you go for the extra point, um, and you go up by, what was it, four points? You go up by four points, so you force the Patriots to have to drive down the field and score a touchdown. You know, it offers you uh, those 30 seconds, you know, or so really change kind of the urgency for the drive for the New England Patriots. Yeah, I said the same thing. You know, I was watching it with my dad, and I was just like, the Chiefs can't score here. You know, they need to turn around. They need to kneel it. They need to do something. And my dad was like, well, they need to score. I was like, if they score here, you're giving Brady 2.03. 2.03 on the clock, a two-minute warning, and three timeouts. And I'm not going to say that the Patriots let him score, but it sure you could sure see, you know, there was a couple sidesteps that you were like, oh, well, maybe maybe they uh, <laughs> they kind of let him, they let him sneak in. Um, I think that I don't want to say the Patriots knew they were going to run it, but I think the Patriots had a pretty good idea that they were going to run the ball. And to me, that's just the difference between, you know, Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. You know, you see a play like that. You, I remember the, uh, I think it was the 2012 Super Bowl. Maybe not the 2012. It was the second the second mm-hmm. round of Patriots-Giants. Whatever year that was. The 20, second round, 2011, I think, 2010, I don't know. I think it may have been 13. I think it was the 2012 season oh, for the 2013 Super Bowl. I think it may may have been. Because 2010 Super Bowl was Packers and Steelers. Um, trying to think here. I think the 2010 season, 2011 Super Bowl, may have been the Giants and Patriots first route. I'm just trying to remember when that undefeated season was for the Patriots. The undefeated season. Oh, okay, it was 2007. <laughs> so there you go. So maybe the 2011 Super Bowl was um, was Giants versus Patriots 2.0. Because remember, it was like a, it was like a four year break or whatever. No, it was tw- Super Bowl runs. It was 2012. It was 2012, and then the pa- Packers and Steelers okay. were uh, 2011. I, I'm just getting my, you know, not enough Super Bowls to, you know, for the team here in Houston. So. Or zero, but <laughs> you know it's a little bit, a little bit of what's the word? Undermining? We're not undermining, but depressing, I guess, is the word to keep up with these Super Bowls when you know your team doesn't ever get past the second round. But we don't have to talk about that. We don't have to talk about that. But yeah, you know, like, like we were talking about, you know, I remember in that game specifically, 
the Patriots. I don't want to say let them score in that game as well, but they were they were down. Mm-hmm. No, they were up by like two or three, and I remember Eli hit somebody just wide open with you know I think it was under four minutes to go, and he was running to the end zone, and all of a sudden you just see him. I mean, he's wide open, doesn't look like anybody's chasing him. He stops and just falls over, like, the six-yard line because he realized, yeah. I probably shouldn't score here. And I just think you, you should see that sort of situation there, too. You know, Bill Belichick, he's got a great mind, so he's going to know they're going to score here. Then we're going to have this much amount of time to go get this many points. I mean, he's just good like that, and you don't find many coaches that have that great of a mind. Well, I think, you know, obviously Bill Belichick is one of the, the best game planners you know, the best halftime adjusters in NFL history. That's just a given. You know, I think the way, the way especially, the thing that I, the thing I like about him the most, as far as his coaching goes, is how each and every single week, he's not afraid just to change the whole playbook, change the whole system, and just go, okay, so this thing we did in week four, we're going to do mostly that, but we're going to implement some week six and some week nine in it as well. And then we'll take a trick play from the, 2013 yeah. Super Bowl that we were in, for example, you know? So it's, it's just little things like that that I think kind of make it hard to game plan against the Patriots each and every week and game plan against Belichick because pretty much one of the biggest things you have to do is outsmart Belichick if you want to beat the Patriots. That's number one. Yeah, you're talking outsmart Belichick. Yeah, no, it's... It, I, for me, if you can beat if you can beat Belichick, you know if you can outcoach him, then I think you have a good shot. And that's one of the things that Doug Peterson did in the Super Bowl last year was he he outcoached um, he outcoached Belichick uh, in that Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. Plus, you know Brady dropped. I think if Brady doesn't drop that pass, it's a different outcome. And then you have Nick right, Foles catch right. that Philly Philly, you know. I think that was one of the things. I don't. I don't want to take anything away from Doug Peterson. He did a great job coaching that game, but you know, there's a couple of things. Brady catches that ball. Maybe, maybe something else happens on that drive. But at the end of the day, the Eagle, the Eagles won. Uh, Doug Peterson did outcoach Belichick in that game. Uh, you know, odds are he could have did it again this year. You know, it was looking like one of those, it was going to be another Eagles-Patriots rematch. Right. Given they get past the Rams. But they didn't. Now we got Rams-Patriots, you know, for, uh, well, I don't want to say the second time because technically it's the first time the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots meet in the Super Bowl. You know, it's funny. All you had to do to put the Rams in the Super Bowl is just move them out of the Midwest, put them on the West Coast, and just say, hey, look, here's money. Um, here's talent, here's sunshine. Go win a Super Bowl. You know, and somehow, magically, the league just gives it to them. Like, let's, for example, the other LA team, the Chargers. They were, what? I think, if they have a better first round, and they win that game, why not? Or, the second game, my bad. Well, they the won, second round game, I guess. They won the first round. They win that game? Why not? Why aren't, why aren't they in the Super Bowl? You know? But what what if you had L.A. Chargers, L.A. Rams, and Atlanta for the Super Bowl? What would that have been? That'd been crazy. Have to fly across that, the country to play a team that's twenty see, miles away. That would be that. While that would be amazing, <laughs> uh, I'd say probably only about half the city of L.A. would care. Uh, 
And I'm not just saying care for one team. I think just half the city in general would only care, and the other half would just be like, what's football? Um, you know, it's... that That's the thing with the NFL, you know. As much as everybody in L.A. has wanted a team so bad, especially the Rams, to come back into the NFL, come back into L.A., and be their team again, quote-unquote, you see the videos. Especially, you know, the game-winning field goal to take them to the Super Bowl against the Saints, which we'll get to here in just a few seconds. And you see the excitement, as I say sarcastically, um, you know, of the fans. I saw a video on social media. I forget who tweeted it, but I saw a video on social media uh, of this, this small little bar in L.A. somewhere. And they had the game on this little TV. And there's three people at the bar, and then they had some seats, or at least three people in the actual video itself that you could see, sitting next to each other watching the game. And then you had some people in the booths right next to the bar as well, sitting down and watching the game. And the amount of excitement, um, not really, was, that was shown while the ball went through the uprights and sent the Rams to the Super Bowl, uh, it was a few seconds of clapping, one guy in the back yelling, yeah, and then the next, and then you just heard a random voice right before the video cut say, wait, was that the end of the game? And they just cut out. And there was barely any, you know, hey, <laughs> just a few claps, and then, okay, it's over. And it lasted about five seconds. And I'm just like, good job, LA. You've screwed up what it means to be a fan. <laughs> and I'm not trying to attack the LA fans, but come on. Yeah. Why not? LA fans are not there. <laughs> they're all for LA. They're not for the. They're not for the Chargers. I think that's funny. That sucks for the Chargers, though. You know, I'm that's fixing to just still their place. Start a petition you know, pretty, and you know just say move back be, to San Diego. At this point, why not? You know. They they need to, but the field conditions are too yep. bad. I was reading a, uh, there was an article, uh, no, I say an article, it was a, it was a review from StubHub okay. or something, talking about a bowl game that was played at the, uh, whatever their stadium was called in San I Diego. Yeah, that's right, and it was a review about it, and basically it just said, you know, it's a great stadium, but I can see why the Rams left. I mean, the Chargers left. Nothing's upgraded. Nothing's new. Everything's old. You know, they never upgraded anything. Everything's old. It's trashy. It's falling apart. I get the Rams 100% for leaving. You know, as much or the same the Chargers. <laughs> as much as it sucks for leaving, you know, I get why they did it now. And I just thought about that. And I mean, it's the, it's the same situation that's happening in happening in Oakland. You know, they're playing in a baseball stadium that's fallen apart and it's been around for ages now they're going to las vegas and you know stuff like that it's kind of interesting to see how you know people react you know there's no there's really not any charger fans anymore they yeah. don't have a home uh, as, as much as you say their home is la it's not you know la doesn't res well i don't want to say doesn't respect them but la doesn't care that the chargers are there the la they only care about the rams and the dodgers you know, you could probably stick the Rams. I mean, jeez. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> the, the the Chargers and the Angels, 
you could take them out of L.A. and nobody would probably realize that they were gone. Yeah, because here's the thing, right? Especially with the Angels, they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Think about that. There's two different cities in that one. The Los Angeles Angels yeah. of Anaheim. And I'm pretty sure their ballpark is in Anaheim. But they're so called L.A. Yeah, it is. You know, my thing is this. Why didn't the Chargers just do that? Upgrade their stadium a little bit. You know, spend the money you were going to spend, quote-unquote, if they were going to, at least, uh, on moving and building a new stadium. Upgrade the stadium you have now and just slap an L.A. thing right in front if you really want to do that. I mean, the Jets and Giants do that. They play in New Jersey. I think it was more of a, um, like, a situation that's happening in Oakland. Nobody really wants to pay for anything to be renovated, but they want yeah. it renovated. You know, they can't get anybody to fund it, but at the same time, everybody says we need something new, so they just did to the extreme and they moved. I don't think LA was the right place to go for them, but then again, where else would you go? I mean, I guess you could go to St. Louis, but you could go play there, but that's kind of weird, you know, just to flip-flop yeah. places. I mean, I don't, I don't like their move to L.A., but who knows? I mean, it'll work Here's out in the city. long run. Ready for this one? Kind of oddball, but... Are you no. going to go San Antonio? Although that's a better idea than what I'm about to say. Sacramento. They tried to bid what? for an NFL team in the... And a baseball team, an MLB team, in the... I want to say the 70s or... The 70s or 80s. Right after the Kings built their brand new um, stadium at the time. They were going to build an adjacent uh, ballpark and football stadium all in one uh, in the same parking lot. And that was their bid to try to get an NFL team at the time. They were trying to get the Raiders to move from Oakland to Sacramento. Uh, you know, that could be a city. If they want to stay in California, probably your best bet. If you don't want to go to L.A., if you have to leave San Diego and you want to stay in California, Sacramento's your best bet. Otherwise, yeah, you move to San Antonio, a place that's actually going to adore the team, you know? Yes, I wish they would have moved somewhere besides L.A. I mean, maybe not Sacramento. There's a lot of teams in California. I don't think they need they don't think they, they need to they drop need one to. of them at least. You know, there's what four teams. You got the Raiders, the 49ers, the Rams, yeah. and the Chargers. And then if you want if you want, I mean, not to count it, but you got the Seahawks that are like a solid, you know, three-hour drive away mm-hmm. from California. So you got five teams, you know, within, well, I mean, not that close, but they're all pretty close. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Uh, LA is not the best place, but then I don't know where they go because the NFL does have all the rules. They have all the, you have to have so many people that live there. I think that was what stopped them from going to San Antonio is the population just wasn't big enough. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's the thing. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand how San Antonio doesn't qualify. Because here's the deal. If it didn't qualify, then why is it a location in all these Madden games to relocate? In all the classic Madden games, you know, 06, 07, all that. Why is it a location in, like, the one of the top three cities to relocate to for the NFL? If it didn't qualify. That's what I'm thinking. San Antonio loves football. They love the market. They've already got the stadium with the Alamodome. Granted, it needs a lot of renovations. 
No, I don't think the Al- Alamo Dome would hold an no, NFL team. I mean, team. they they hold a college football team, but eh, not not that great. I mean, they I think that might be where the San Antonio Commodores for the American uh, Alliance of football, the Alliance of American Football or something is going to be playing, which somehow got a CBS broadcast deal that starts right after the Super Bowl. So we may be seeing a little bit more of Jim Nance and. Tony Romo, which we'll actually get to Romo's wizardry here in just a little bit, but I guess to kind of wrap up um, at least this Charger talk before we talk um, Saints and Rams a little bit, um, or at least wind it back to that to talk about the referees, um, you know, I just say, just put somebody in San Antonio. If you're going to relocate somebody, put somebody in San Antonio at this point population may not be you know the size they want it to be but they've got everything that they need they've got a stadium that can be you know just to hold until they build a new one and the people of san antonio while they may not want to pay for the stadium the new stadium initially because we all know it's going to end up being the taxpayers that pay for it they're going to want it in the end because of the fact that you know everybody in san antonio knows as much as they love the alma dome they know it's not going to last that much longer and they know it can't last that much longer. Yeah, you can't even put an NFL team. In. I mean, look at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Dome. Yeah, the right? Mercedes-Benz Superdome. There's yeah. too many of them. Whatever yeah. one's in New Orleans. Yeah. Is that the Superdome? Yeah, the one in Atlanta is the Mercedes-Benz no, Stadium. Got... Yeah, it's like oh, the okay. whole the well, whole thing with the NBA the... with the Mavericks and the Heat with the American Airlines. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like one center. Or Centra, or whatever they call it. <laughs> Centra no is Canada, I believe. Um, anyways, <laughs> but, you know, I saw a thing, and everybody was so loud and stomping around that the roof started falling down at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. You know, so I think that'd be the same situation in San Antonio, but probably worse, because that Alamo Dome, it's not made to hold, you know, that many people for that much yeah. noise and stomping, and, you know, I think biggest team that plays there right now is UTSA yeah. you know the and I think other than that you know they have you know band competitions and I guess motocross they also probably do, um, what is it they also do Texas high school state final basketball there as well yeah and, and they do a lot of and final yeah fours I think too. they'll actually be speaking to that I think they actually got a bid for 2020 or 2021 for the Final Four to return to San Antonio. I think it's 2020, actually. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that stadium's built for an NFL team, but it would be a great place for somebody to relo- relocate yeah. if they had the yeah. money. I think it would be a good spot. So, kind of going back to the Rams and the Saints game here for the NFC Championship as we are... Just coming up on the half-hour mark here of hour number one on the Behind the Mic podcast here. Jordan Smith, Colton Foster here on the podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at BTM Sports Pod. You can follow our sponsor at scoreboard underscore com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jordan Smith PXP. And Colton, they can find you on Twitter where? Colton Foster. There you go. So be sure to go follow him as well on Twitter. And I'll get those tweets going. Uh, and we'll also have a halftime poll here uh, at a, in about half an hour here for you to, uh, t- 
to, to go answer. It's going to be dealing with the Super Bowl, obviously, uh, which we'll get to after this Rams and Saints talk here. Um, but getting back to that game, I mean, the biggest thing, obviously, from the whole championship Sunday uh, has to be the referee situation. I mean, obviously, first off, blatant pass interference. Some people say that could have been like four different penalties in one. Pass interference, targeting, you know, everything like that, defenseless receiver, all that. Uh, you know, it's just... I just don't understand how you missed that. And then I saw a video on Twitter today of one of the sideline referees looking at another referee that was near him that was fixing to throw the flag on the play for pass interference, which is the right call. And the referee immediately looked at him and said, no, don't you dare throw that flag out. It was incidental contact. Exactly. Incidental. That's a, that's. And a so the rest just went okay. Okay. I mean, I I could see making the argument as a bang bang play. The ball got there as the ball got there as he was hit. I mean, clearly when you look at it on camera, you don't see that. But I did see you know one of those angled all twenty two cams, whatever they call it, and you could see where if you were standing off to the side, it, it in a way, in the heat of the moment, you would say the same thing. You would say, oh yeah, you know, from the side it does look like a bang-bang play. But it really was not. No. Not even close. No, it, it wasn't. And that's the thing, too. The cornerback never looked. He never looked back. The cornerback never looked back to see where the ball was. He never looked back towards the line of scrimmage. None of that. So that, first off, is the immediate definition of defensive pass interference. When the cornerback doesn't even oh, make yeah. an attempt to look back at the ball and try to defend that instead of you know, defend the ball instead of defending the actual player itself by, you know, pushing him, making contact, things like that. So. Yeah, I mean, that was a straight definition of a pass, and your player, pass interference play. Um, but they didn't call it, you can't. I said it earlier, you know, the Saints, they didn't do enough to win that game. If you go back and look at it, you can see the first two drives they had, they were in the red zone. And they got stopped both times having to kick a field goal. You know, they got six points when they really could have had 14. So they left that many points on the board. Um, you know, at the same time, I see where they're coming from. That's just such an obvious call that you think that you really do need to call it. But you can't put the whole game on that one play. Yeah, if you get the call, odds are you win the game. And yeah, you score and you win. But at the same time, why why did you have yourself in that position to where you needed that call to win the game? That's the one thing that I'm not a big fan of. You know, you hear them all say, yeah, it was pass interference. Even the cornerback for the Rams came out and said, I, I was beat. I just had to do whatever I could to stop the touchdown. I think he was looking for a flag, too. One thing, though, I did see was that the, the receiver, he never looked for a flag. Which surprised me because there would be times that people get touched by a pinky and they'll be throwing a flag and they'll be they'll be looking around like where's the, the flag where's the flag <laughs> yeah exactly and like you look at the video and you see him he gets up and he just starts running away and I guess he just thought there was a flag yeah. automatically and then he didn't see a flag and you can kind of see him move his like arms like he's questioning it but you never see him do anything and I think that's also one of the reasons you know if you were somebody in a big moment. And 
you're on the edge of making that call, but then you're also like, well, what if the if the receiver doesn't say anything? Why should I make the call? If he thought it was legal, you know, then it probably was legal. I think that's one of those the Rams got really lucky. The Saints didn't. But at the same time, if you're not in a position to at least, you know, you could have had, what, eight? They left eight points off the board, not getting into the end zone those two drives. Even if you get in one of those times, it completely changes the game plan. I want to say it was 13-10 to 10 Saints going into halftime. You know, that's not good. It could have been 21-10, or it even could have been 21 less. You know, if you score those two two times, it's a different ball game, different game plan. The Rams aren't in it anymore. They have to try to get back in it. So to me, you know, you can't put it all in that one play, even though it was very atrocious. And you also got to look at it. There was a bunch of missed calls. I know there was a face mask on Jared Goff. There was a couple holds. There was a couple. There was a lot of stuff that was missed. There was one other big play, but I forgot what it was. So you can't put it. You, as much as you can put it on the refs, you also need to put it on, you know, the Saints' offense not being able to score those couple couple times. Yeah, I think. I mean, I can get where you're saying that the Rams should not have been in a position to need that call to win the game. Which, you know, I can understand. That's a fair argument. But I think. I think the whole argument that most people are making is that, you know, and I've seen this statement and I've heard this statement thrown around so many times, you know, you're, you know, with that call, it's, it's not just a matter of getting it right, but at that point you're changing, you know, an entire franchise's and an entire, you know, player's career at that point. You know, that may be the one play that keeps an offensive lineman or a tight end or, you know, let's say a middle linebacker from ever getting another chance at a Super Bowl. Maybe they never reach the conference championship. Heck, maybe they never reach the playoffs. Maybe they go play for the Buffalo Bills. You know, so it's, you know, I can understand, you know, that argument as well. It's, I guess it just kind of depends on what, what point of view you kind of come from as far as, you know, did the Saints do enough? Did the Saints not do enough? And, you know, which I feel like they did enough to win. You know, and I feel like the Rams did enough to win. They, they, the Saints did enough to win. I, they should have won that game. I'm just saying, you know, the city of New Orleans is saying we need to do a rematch of this game and they're lawyering up to sue the NFL. And it's also, you know, well, maybe if you score those two times, you don't really need those lawyers because you already won the game. You know, if you're up, being up 21 to twenty-one to 10 at halftime is different than 13 to 10. And uh, as much as that call should have been called, and in all the Madden simulations that they made of it, and the 100% of the times it got called, uh, you know, it didn't get called. You can't base a loss off of one game. And Sean Payton and Drew Brees, they played a great game, and they coached a great game, and they had a great, 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 great yeah. run. But if you say... You know, because of this play, it's the reason we lost. Eh, that's not really the real reason. You didn't play well enough. You re- you relied on somebody. You know, they always say that you never want to have to rely on somebody else to win the game, make the playoffs. I know there's been a couple years where the Texans were on the edge of being in this, you know, in the playoffs, but they needed, you know, the Jets to lose, and then they needed, you know, they needed the Jets to lose. They needed the Dolphins to lose. They needed yep. the Browns to lose. They needed the Steelers to lose. You need all these teams to lose, so you. 
you know, you're not you're not doing it for yourself. Like this year, you know, they were in a spot. If they win, they get the second seed. You know, they didn't win, so that for, unfortunately they didn't get the second seed. The Patriots got it, but you know, if they win that, you know, if they beat the Colts that one game and they go twelve and five, I mean yeah. twelve and four, who knows what happens? Um, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about, but if you put something in somebody else's hands, odds are. You know, it's not going to get done right. You know what they say? The only way to make sure something's done right is if you do it yourself. And, I mean, not to take anything away from the Rams or anything, but the Saints just didn't do it for themselves. They relied on that one call. They didn't get the one call, and they lost the game. And as as bad as that sucks to say for all the Saints fans, and, you know, Sunday I was a Saints fan. I wanted the Saints to win. I wanted to see a Breeze-Brady Super Bowl. I think that would have been cool. To for a forty-year-old and a forty-one-year-old quarterback going at it, Cram- you will see that. Bowl. You will never see that again. The Grandpa Bowl, huh? Yeah, exactly. Like you're not gonna see that again. I think that'd have been cool, but you know, it didn't happen. Um, but I don't think you put the entire blame on that referee. And also, fun fact here: the referee crew that called that game, they were a crew for another game, another important game. That happened, I believe, on a Monday night. And that's not the only blatant call okay. that they missed. There was a uh, false start call against the Chargers and Steelers. Mm. That led to a, uh, a Phillip Rivers touchdown. Yeah, they missed that false start call, hmm. too. Interesting. It was that, that's that that's what I was telling you about earlier that I didn't tell you. That's that fact, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's time to look at a different crew. Why is that crew getting a big game like this? You'll you know, never know. It's funny because talking about that referee crew, I saw something a few hours ago, actually. Uh, of course, we're recording this on January 23rd, the night before this episode actually does come out. Um, you know, I... I saw something a few hours ago on Twitter about how the referee crew for the New Orleans Saints, um, three of three of the people from the actual referee crew itself were from the city oh, of LA. Yeah, they were the Rams players. A Rams player. Three of them were from LA. And they were not, I don't want to say the Rams fans because I don't think it said that, but they were from LA. And it was funny because all that was going around, right? And then, of course, the referee who got banned from calling from calling it one Saints game because there's a picture that showed up of him in a Saints outfit, right? You know, him responding to that and talking about karma and everything. Thought that was kind of funny, but you know, it I just I question how the NFL actually finds their officials. Like, there's been a few good ones here and there. You know, Ed Hockeyles, Hercules, as I like to call him. You know, I miss the guy. He was one of the few good refs, in my opinion. You know, him, um, the guy on CBS that's now the the referee, um, referee analyst or whatever that position is for all these broadcast companies now. Uh, the one that used to give all the Patriots their second half calls to get to the Super Bowl. Rules analysis. Yeah, there you go. Rules analysis. Yeah, no, it's. You know, there, there's been a few good ones over the years, you know, but 
I don't know. They just they, they get worse and worse and worse over time, and then this stuff like this happens, and it just I want to say it ruins the game, but it just I don't know. You know, it's it's just something that you don't want to see. You don't want it to. You don't want it to see it happen. You know, and especially to a team like New Orleans, who you know, just like the Rams, fully deserve to be in the Super Bowl. You know, it's just a matter of circumstance, you know, just not able to, I guess, really just pull it out. I mean, that's just the, kind of the bottom line. You know what I find crazy? No. I wonder what it takes. I don't think I could be a ref. To be, nah, I couldn't either. To be on the sideline, like, I was at a basketball game tonight, and I was looking at it. And the coach was just, I mean, screaming at the ref every chance she got. I mean... And then I was like, that happens all the time. Like, look at Sean Payton on the sideline. He's yelling at that ref. You know, Belichick yells at refs. O'Brien yells at refs. All the coaches yell at refs. And I was like, how on earth does a ref just sit there and take all that and not lose focus on what they're doing? I just thought that was the craziest thing in the world. But, I mean, I guess you just, I don't know, maybe they teach you that at referee school, but who knows? (laughs) I can actually speak from a little bit of experience, obviously not at the same level that the NFL and college basketball are at, but uh, speaking on my experience as a referee of Recreational League Soccer, where I live out here in Cyprus, um, (laughs) I can tell you that, um, you know, that's actually something that wasn't really taught too much. Obviously it was taught, you know, for how to handle coaches that are, you know, being a little, you know, out of character, you know, kind of, you know, bashing, you know, what to do in that situation, but other than that, it's just kind of, you know, just the basic, hey, you do that again to me, I kick you out of the game, this is my field, I'm the authority, this is how it goes. And so, you know, for referees, it just kind of, you get used to it. Sometimes you just turn a blind ear to it, you know, because it happens so much, like you say, you know, in sports. You know, and of course, some of these refs, they're not only calling NFL games. You know, they're doing multiple games, you know, every week for multiple different sports. So, they're hearing it from all levels, from all different sports, from all different teams, wherever they they go. So, you know, it's just... It's just something the referees will most of the time block out. And then, you know, of course, if they're finding them a little, you know, out of place, they'll just kind of put them in their place right quick and just say hey this is still my field so you might want to calm down um otherwise you're gonna get kicked out of the game yeah i get that uh, it's just wild to me to see and then they're all friends at the end of the game it's all easy good job good job good job like really 30 wow. minutes ago y'all were screaming at each other oh it was crazy i just thought it was interesting but we'll see what uh we'll see what happens um I, I do know there was a report. There was a report out there that uh, the the of the, the referees in that Saints game uh, after the game they went back to their hotel, but they had to be escorted out of their hotel and you know shipped somewhere else because of all the threats that they were receiving. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Why am I surprised though? Oh, I'm surprised they even made it out of the stadium. I mean, that's a shock to me. I figured there's, you know, the mobs sitting there at the exit waiting for them to come out. But, hey, who knows? Um, I just think it's crazy, you know, 
the Saints fans are calling for, you know, Roger Goodell to come out and fix it. We say <laughs> we're gonna play the game from two minutes and forty-one seconds in oh the fourth gosh. quarter. You know, we're gonna replay it. Like that's not gonna happen. First of all, yeah. You know, it says an extreme circumstance. I don't think that's an extreme circumstance. I remember people in a what was it twenty sixteen right. During during Deflategate, everybody was calling out, Oh, Roger Goodell, we need to replay the AFC Championship game between the Saints. They're not the Saints. The Colts and the Patriots because of this. uh, (laughs) It's an extreme circumstance. And the only... I hated Deflategate. It made me so mad. (laughs) Well, you're saying that as a Patriots fan. Okay, but he got better. (laughs) They inflated the balls and he got better. How are you going to make an argument that he cheated? So you just admitted that he inflated the ball. So are we going to report here on behind the mic that the balls were in fact deflated? Is this breaking news? I don't know. It's been breaking. The balls The balls were undersized for the first half. <laughs> I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Tom Brady knows that. Bill Belichick knows that. Everybody Roger Goodell knows. knows everybody knows that. But all I'm saying is whoever the guy who picked off Brady right before the second half and said, hey, these balls look a little flat. And as soon as the refs got a hold of them, said, hey, they are a little flat. Tom Brady gets them aired up, and he gets better. He threw for more yards. He did better. That was my only argument. How are you going to tell somebody he cheated if he got better once he was back in, in compliance? Because guess what? That's how the Patriots are. <laughs> Everything happens way better for them in the second half. Tom Brady performs way better in the second half. Belichick coaches way better in the second half. The referees figure out, oh, hey, we're calling a Patriots game. Let's give them better calls. They never get a penalty in the second half. This is how it is in most regular season games, almost every single playoff game, and you can bet you're behind. It is in almost every single, if not, it is in every single Patriots Super Bowl game. Every single one. That is how it always has been, and now that is how it will always be until the day that Brady and Belichick retire. That is how it is always going to be. The Patriots will always get second-half favors, and that is how it will always be. So Deflategate or not, that game was set up for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and everybody else to do good in the second half just because that's what the NFL wants and usually schedules up. I don't get why everybody says the NFL wants the Patriots to be good. If everybody hates them, why is money. the NFL... Money. Huh? Ratings. Money. Oh, I mean, I saw, you know, the Chiefs-Patriot game was the most watched game, or the most Second watched most. thing. Second most watched game. What, I think like 15 million people watched it or something. Uh, I saw a little bit higher number than that. I saw 45.8 million people tuned into that game. That was a little more than 15. Yeah. <laughs> is the second most watched AFC Championship game since they started actually recording um, those ratings. And, of course, those those viewerships are only uh, America-based because any viewership outside the country does not get counted in American ratings. So that is why, for the London games, you may not see as high of ratings because first off who's really going to watch the London games in America that's the first thing you got to wake up at like 8 o'clock to watch that game at 9.30 exactly so 
you know, that's one of the reasons why that one's always low. And that's also one of the reasons why the game of Mexico is actually a little bit lower, because most people that are going to be watching it, um, first off, are not trying to watch Monday Night Football. But if they really want to, they will. You know, everybody else that's actually going to watch the game will be, you know, in Mexico. And so that will take away from the viewership itself because of the fact that, again, it's not in America. So, you know, I don't know why I'm on this long spiel, but the point is, the point is here is that, you know, it's, I don't know, you know, at the end of the day, it's, at the end of the day, it's basically just, in my opinion, I didn't care who won Saints versus, versus Rams. I would have liked for it to be the Saints because that's who I picked to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC before the playoffs started. But honestly, I didn't care who won out of the NFC. As long as I didn't hear the words, the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl again, I would have been fine. But obviously that's not the circumstances here in this one. Well, you said it best. You know, you said it was rigged for the Patriots. So why are you not surprised? Because we all expect it. This is just how it is. That's that's just how it is. As much as, you know, we all say it's great for the Patriots, and then, you know, we're all not surprised whenever it does happen. You know, sometimes some people are surprised, and I go, why? This is the NFL. Whatever they can do to keep the status quo of the Patriots being in another Super Bowl, keeping Brady happy, keeping Belichick happy, keeping Robert Kraft happy, doing all of that, whatever they can do, they're going to do. So do you think Brady and Belichick ride off into the sunset beating the Rams if they no. beat the Rams? No. Do you think they stay around? Oh, of course. They'll be here for another two, three years, unfortunately, at least. Yeah, I knew that was the big talk. You know, Brady, well, if he wins, you know, they're saying if Brady gets his sixth ring against the Rams, you know, that's the team he beat first to get his first ring. Does he call it quits? And I was like, I don't think so. No. The man's already said he wants to play till he's 45. Plus, at that point, if you're going to get six Super Bowl, rings, Super Bowl rings, might as well get one more. Past Jordan. I know it's not the same sport, obviously, but hey, yeah, the man's got me, six rings. Get yourself me, seven. If you get, you know, two NFL rings, I know I'm probably going to receive some hate for this, but if you get two rings in the NFL, that's probably equal to, you know, six or seven NBA just the workload, you know, you're constantly getting beat down by men that are 300 pounds. You know, you're not you're not playing against guys. You know, to play basketball, you have to be very athletic, and I don't want to take anything away from basketball players because what they do on the court is unbelievable, but they don't have 300-pound guys that want to, you know, kill them. Right. Every, every play, every down. You know, you look at Brady and you see him, he's probably, I think he's probably like 240. I don't know his exact weight. I don't... I don't care enough to know his exact weight. <laughs> but every play, you know, he's got 300-pound men that are trying to just tear him apart. And, you know, this, you know, Tom Brady, he is an excellent businessman. Because once he finally retires from the NFL, all he's got to do is promote his TB12 method, saying if you do this method, you can play NFL until you're 45, and then this man's just going to make even more money. Now, unbelievable that plan is going to be if he does play the 45. I'm shaking my head at you right now. I know, I saw. But, I mean, just think. Like, you know how many kids are going to be like, oh, if I do this, 
if I buy his method, if I eat avocado ice cream, I'm going to be able to play in the NFL until I'm 45. First off, avocado ice cream. Why? Why? You know, why? I don't know why, but this man's playing in the NFL. He's 41 years old. This man just beat, you know, a 24-year-old man or 23-hour-old Mahomes is. The man-child that he is, yeah. And his little funky, and I play ketchup on everything, voice. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to mention it. I had the thought in my head, like, little, literally just a few seconds ago, right before Kermit you the said frog. something. But every time, every time I hear him talk, I keep thinking of um, Bleacher Report's Gridiron Heights thing that they do every football oh, season. Oh, that was funny. Oh my goodness, that was great. But no, I mean he they played a great game, and but I mean he's forty-one and he threw up three hundred and something yards against the Chiefs. Uh, he was the leading passer in the NFL in Championship Week. I mean it's just unbelievable the numbers he puts up. Yeah, no, it is. So we are actually going to go ahead and preview the Super Bowl on Sunday as we are running out of time here in this first hour. So right quick, we are going to uh, talk a little bit about Kyler Murray. We're going to talk about him in uh, the last episode. Uh, We just weren't able to get to it. Uh, Kyler Murray choosing to declare for the NFL draft instead of uh, going to the major leagues, mainly because... um, he or his agent mainly his agent demanded that they pay him what 15 million dollars to get signed to 15 million dollars by the oakland athletics to play baseball instead of going to football of course it didn't happen because the oakland a's nor any team in the major leagues are going to pay that much money to any minor leaguer as the astros are still paying on a guy named john singleton's contract so that is a prime example right there of why you don't do it so, I guess to kind of wrap up the first hour here of the podcast, just a couple of minutes left, so we'll just get a quick hot take reaction from you here about Kyler Murray. Did he make the right decision to go to the NFL? I don't want to say he made the right decision. I don't want to say he made the wrong decision. I don't really like his decision. You know, the only reason I don't like it, I don't like the, we want the $15 million before we admit but then you have to also think about the NFL scouts who are saying, "Well, what if we don't? If we draft him first round, then his they pay him fifteen million. What does he do then?" Um, I think he really does love football. I, I'm not sure how I feel about him being an NFL quarterback. I know me and you kind of mentioned it, but we didn't talk about anything because we were going to save it. But if you look at you know all four quarterbacks that were in the AFC NFC Championship, you have Breeze, Golf, you know Mahomes and Brady all four pocket passers uh you know as much as everybody says the nfl is going to you know dual quarterbacks the run quarterback the pass quarterback every year there's always you know pocket passers in the super bowl last year it was brady and golf this year it's Brady. well this year it's brady and golf last year it was brady and breeze the year before that it's brady and matt ryan the year before that it's peyton manning and cam newton but then you see what happened to Cam Newton. They just got absolutely demolished in the Super Bowl. Um, and then the year before that, I guess, you know, you can make the argument, you know, Brady and Russell Wilson. But, I mean, you just don't see it that often. You don't see running backs, I mean, not running backs, but dual quarterbacks surviving very long in the NFL because they do take the hits. 
I mean, look at Cam Newton. They're talking about him missing the whole 2019 season to fix his shoulder. You know, the owner's saying anything's possible at this point because we want him healthy. And so it's just one of those that if you have to, you know, if your starting quarterback has to sit out the entire year to get healthy because he's a dual quarterback, is he really worth it? And I just don't know if Kyler Murphy, Kyler Murray playing in the NFL is going to be, you know, a, a Pat, Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes, you know, he probably could have went and played baseball and he didn't. He went football. But to me, he is that pocket passer. You know, he's going to throw a no-look over, under, he's going to throw a no-look side-armed pass before right. he really, you know, tries to run. And I don't know if you were disagreeing with me in that because we didn't really talk about it because, you know, we kind of said we'd save content. But to me, you know, he is that pocket passer. And I know people could argue both ways, but his first reaction isn't to run like a Deshaun Watson, where if he he can't find anything, he's going to run it. You know, unlike this year, you know, he was a little bit more conservative. He, he couldn't run it. Well, not at the beginning, but once he got that rib injury and the collapse long or whatever he had, he was a lot more conservative. He was a lot more, oh, well, let me hold on to this just a little bit longer. And unfortunately, he did take a lot more sacks because of that. But at the same time, he grew in the pocket. And that's just what it takes to win in this league because everybody, you know, all they have to do to stop, you know, the dual quarterback is to put a spy on him. And at that point, it's over. You know, you can run, but you're going to get destroyed if you do run. So you're just going to have to beat him with your arm. And I just don't know if Kyler Murray can do that. In this first half here, uh, with the halftime poll uh, of the week, talking about the Super Bowl, uh, we'll get to NBA in hour number two to top off hour number two here in just a little bit. And then we will get into the Colton's grade and the rant of the week segments to end the show here uh, as we are just about to hit hour number one. Uh, but Colton, uh, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, this week's uh, halftime poll that will actually run for a little bit longer than usual. Oh, it's nothing fancy. It's just, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Is it going to be the New England Patriots or will it be the Los Angeles Rams? So there you have it. That is the halftime poll. We will have that running all the way up uh, till kickoff uh, for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. So be sure to go to our Twitter at BTM Sports Pod and vote on the podcast. And if you want to, reply to the tweet and let us know why you think either the Patriots will win or the Rams will win Super Bowl 53. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break. And we'll be right back with hour number two of Behind the Mic right after this. Hey there, Colton Foster with Behind the Mic Podcast. Just wanted to let you know about Scoreboard.com. It is your one-stop shop for all scores around the world of sports. From cricket to the PGA to the NFL to the World Cup. Scoreboard.com brings you the latest in scores and stats for all sports all year long. Scoreboard.com, all scores, 